I don't want to do this. Given that it's been a few years since I've been on the bike, feelings of shame and failure and stuff like that. Gooch was in bits and my legs were just in all sorts of pain. There you go, mate. I'll wait. I'm not desperate yet. I had a massive bowl of pasta, which looking back was probably a mistake, which doesn't really plug into this episode too well. I don't know. I think it plugs in quite well, actually. But then very quickly realising that you're pissed off. So maybe go for that one. Give it a go. Well, I think that was a good episode. I enjoyed that. You're not a future Mark Beaumont then. Made a blunder, ball through the legs, and in it goes. The Running With It podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Running With It podcast with me, Luke, and my good mate, Dan. In this episode, we're going to be talking about things that set you back and how you deal with it. So in previous episodes, we've talked a lot about goals and how you can expect more of yourself. Dan, when I was thinking about the topic for this podcast, I was thinking about how you had set a big goal of the London Marathon and how then when that was cancelled, as you said in the previous episode, it actually was quite a good thing for you because it gave you more of a chance to recover and focus on building your fitness back up. But for lots of people, something like that would have been a, a real disappointment. I think for a lot of people out there, it, they would have lost their reason to train maybe having having had that goal for so long of, of, of competing and raising money etc so I think which led us down this avenue of sort of thinking about how to deal with failures so to speak and and setbacks in particular I think it's particularly pertinent in this time of, of the coronavirus where so many people are, are dealing with cancellations and things being postponed in life yeah I, t- I tell you what why don't we kick off with an example the example is a young person who for a long time had been aiming towards raising a certain amount for charity to enable them to go abroad and do some work for the charity. And they had scheduled for about six months back-to-back fundraising activities. And those fundraising activities obviously were going to bring people together and try and raise money in a concerted effort towards being able to do some good in the world. But because of the pandemic, all the events that this person had scheduled have been cancelled. So they had set themselves originally a target for not only the money that they were going to raise, but then also a target for the number of people that would engage with the events, etc. And since those events have been cancelled, this person is now facing the fact that they're probably not going to achieve the target that they had set themselves to raise the money for the charity. And then Mm -hmm. is dealing with the kind of feelings of shame and feelings of disappointment that are associated then with thinking, well, the people are going to be missing out on that money and what could have been done with that money. So I realize that's quite a big example for us to get our teeth into. But Dan, if you were to be faced with some news like that or a similar scenario to that, of course, I imagine you'd be disappointed. But what would you do afterwards? Uh, yeah, so I think a really sort of good example and one that's uh, relevant to in, in some way or another to, to a lot of people listening to this in the current time. Um, and I think step one, uh, and you sort of said, said it there, is acceptance of, of what's happened. So coming to terms... And, and letting yourself be annoyed or or upset, letting the emotions take hold first before you try and be rational with anything. What would you say to that? What I would say to that is it sounds good, but it's very difficult to do, right? Because it seems to me natural instinct is to protect oneself at those 
time. So you're kind of saying that actually let yourself let the emotions take over you but that's a a, that's a very difficult thing to do and then I think also lots of people listening to this would be very nervous of kind of wallowing in it too much I think certainly from my own experience when you let those emotions in it can take you to a place that then is very difficult to get out of so Dan why do you say that people should accept the emotion or accept that First of all, I, th- I think it's before you start trying to be rational and, and justifying and moving on, I think it's just important to have that moment to essentially be pissed off and allow yourself to be pissed off. But then very quickly realizing that you're pissed off right. and coming out of that and thinking about it in a more logical and, and stepwise fashion. Step one, right? Acceptance. Let, let it happen. But then you have to snap out of that quickly for step two and you have to think about i think was it really a failure was it really a mistake on your part and in this case i'd argue well well definitely not it was it was a case of outside circumstances dictating the sort of state of play yeah okay i think for this example that's really true that acknowledging that actually the reason something didn't work out was because of forces outside of one's control is a really important step to take. If, for example, I set myself the goal to raise all that money and then I'm, I'm standing and looking at my charity effort and realizing I haven't done that, you know, I think that would be, that'd be quite a sure. difficult thing. Well, I think if we're going to sort of stick on the topic of this particular example. I think the sort of the best way you could take this forward i think what you have to do is make light from the situation and i think in this instance you've just got to try and think of ways that you can turn the current situation into your advantage there's a lot of people sort of there's a lot of fundraising efforts going on at the moment aren't there yeah and they're sort of make making the most of the situation that is, is sort of evolving around us yeah yeah so I, I guess that you're right. It's looking at, okay, if it did fail, maybe this comes back to what you're saying about taking a more rational, logical approach. If it did yeah. fail, why did it fail? Well, in this case, it's because the events can't be held anymore. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily over. You know, you can look for other ways to fundraise and, and raise that target. There's a There's a concept in psychology called locus of control, which is essentially identifying what aspects of a scenario you have control over and then acknowledging that the parts that you can't control are beyond your realm, you know? So all you can focus on is the the parts of your life that you do have control over. What do you think about communication of failure? So in certain team sport scenarios, there will be people who sometimes do less well than others and then as a result Mm. the team doesn't maybe perform in quite the way that it could have I'm sure you've had that with sport and I'm sure we all have sometimes we've been the person who maybe let the team down and sometimes we've been the person playing with the person who let the team down what do you think about communicating failure or communicating that somebody could do better do you have any tips for that Dan? Uh, well, in the th- I think in the team sport context, you really have to be sort of in the longer term, it's going to benefit everyone if you are sort of all for one and really any failure that an individual makes is a, is a failure of the team 
for leading them to that the individual to that point. And I, I was a I was a goalkeeper for a couple of years, so I, I've failed plenty of times in in that sort of context. So uh, and yeah, it's not nice when when people single you out as the, as the sort of single point of failure within a team. So I think you have as a team to be successful in the long run. Uh, it, it definitely benefits you to have an all-for-one attitude. So you mean, if we stick with the goalkeeper idea, for yeah. actually rather than everyone pointing the finger at you, look at each individual person and how they could take responsibility to make sure that your mistake didn't happen. Is, is that what you mean? So actually yeah, exactly. the shared role in it. Okay. Yeah, so everyone has a role to play in why in why the goalkeeper was led to the point where he sort of made a blunder, ball through the legs, and then it goes, who's taking the shot on goal? Why were they allowed to take the shot on goal? Who let them, who gave the ball away in the middle of the park, you know? Yeah, that's a very difficult thing, though. You know, if you are, let's say you're the goalkeeper and you have just been nutmegged in the way you described, in response to that goal, you point at the centre midfielder and say, well, actually, if you press the ball quicker it never would have come through that's no, a very no, not, that's a very ballsy thing to do isn't it when everyone's pointing not, the finger at you to point the finger at someone else hang on a sec no, that's, that's not not the point at all i'm not trying to say that the goalkeeper and everyone else should be pointing the blame at someone else i'm saying that the team should accept collective responsibility for everything be that success or failure right so the success is not pinned on the striker that goes and get ahead and gets the, the goal in the cup final and the failure is not pinned on the goalkeeper who gets nutmegged. So everyone has a part to play. Everyone accepts it, be it success or failure. Do you prefer individual or team sport, Dan? Uh, I prefer team sports in in the sense that I think when you... Uh, failure aside, let's focus on the successes. Okay. Successes are always better when you can share them with people um and and teammates in particular because you've gone through everything together uh-huh. uh, if you think about a running race let's just put like put this picture in people's minds you go to a running race on your own uh you travel there on your own no family there to cheer you on at the finish line but you still get your really happy with your time or you win even uh but who are you going to celebrate it with you know so I think team sports are better because you have the shared sense of belonging and yeah, the sense of success when it does come together is greater. Yeah, that's that's very interesting though, at least to me as someone who knows you very well, because it seems to me that you've transitioned out of team sport to individual sport much more. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Um but that's not. That's, I think that's more of a nature of the sport itself, and how they lend to me as, as endurance sports, cycling, running, um, rather than the fact that it's it's not a team activity. Yeah, yeah. That, the, that the bottom line is, I wasn't a great footballer. I was useless at rugby, so I tried something else, and I was actually decent at it. Okay. Yeah, I see rather that. Than the fact I just chose it because it wasn't a team sport. You just fed up and dropping clangers in goal, weren't you, mate? You said there about successes. I think it's only right that we talk about a major success that you've had in the last few weeks, which is cycling a tremendous amount and raising a lot of money, a thousand pounds for charity. Do you want to tell people listening a little bit about that, Dan? Must have been, what, four weeks ago now that I I signed up to do the the World in a Day Challenge presented by a well-known 
world record cyclist, Mark Beaumont, who cycled around the world in 80 days. Um, and he wanted to get a group of 80 people together to cycle on the online platform Zwift, which is like an online gaming world for cycling where you sort of connect to your turbo trainer and whatnot. And to cycle 240 miles, that's 386 kilometers in a day, starting at 4 a.m. Uh, on, on Zwift. And, and to raise as much money in doing so for to support NHS workers in this time. It was a, a tough old day on the bike, starting at 4 a.m., early start, not much sleep the night before, sort of a bit nervous for it. And it was it was a weird day because uh, the, the effort just sort of slowly creeps up on you. You don't you don't really sort of go seeking it out. Um, you just sort of, you, for the first sort of four or five hours, you just sort of sitting there noodling along on the spot. And yeah, sort of chatting away, breathing fine. Um, but but by the time you get to the seventh, eighth hour, you're you're really on your hands and knees. But it was all worth it for for raising a really uh, surprised myself at how much money I raised for uh, for the NHS charities, which was five hundred pounds, which was then uh, backed, so a thousand pounds total raised for NHS. Incredible, incredible. So you think it was around the seven, eight hour mark that you started to find it really difficult? Yeah, so I, I, I split it up into to four hour chunks. First four hours was absolutely fine. Got off, had a bit of breakfast, had had a shower, got changed, got back on. So I was having these like 20 minute breaks in between the four hour chunks. And bit lazy, mate. <laughs> sustainability, you know, got to in it for the long haul. Um is that then the second break I had, I had lunch, had a massive bowl of pasta, which looking back was probably a mistake. Then I get back on and and it was just it just wasn't the same. I was Ooh. looking at my numbers and I was just going slower, but it was feeling a lot harder. And from then it was just it was just a bit of a struggle to get through the last few hours. And it took it took over twelve hours total, about twelve hours forty minutes, I think, total. So yeah, four and a half hours really really struggling. Did it at all cross your mind, I can't do this? Well, it's, it definitely crossed my mind of, I don't want to do this. Of course, I yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I think the fact that I'd, people had actually donated money to me was the fact the thing that made, made me committed to carry on and keep going. The fact yeah. that people had actually reached into their pockets and thought, fair play, he's doing this. You know, I wasn't going to back out when people had done that. No, no. I, and I think you're right there that because... There, it felt like you had people cheering you on in a way, you know. I I can imagine that there because there was people rooting for you and people were financially invested in you, that that was a real reason to keep going. But yeah. I'm, I mean, it's amazing that you can cycle for almost twelve hours and and not really ever consider actually giving up. You know, I'm sure it was. I mean, maybe it wasn't for you, but for lots of people, I'm sure in those 20 minute breaks you're describing, it would be tempting for lots of people to think, ah, I'll try again tomorrow, you know? And uh, so the fact that you kept going is is huge. Yeah, I suppose so. But uh, yeah, if, you, if you've ever been in that situation where people have actually donated money to you and they're, they're sort of watching and listening out for, you, for your success story when it does come, uh, the shame, the shame of having to put a thing saying, "Yeah, sorry, couldn't do it this time." I couldn't really face that when there was no real good reason for me to have actually failed. Yeah, a bit, a bit of hardship. Yeah, yeah. But you, you said to me that it's not something you'd think about doing again for a long time. 
Uh, no, <laughs> raising them, raising the money for the charity aside, of course, you know, just generally in yeah. terms of long distance yeah. pursuits. You're not a future Mark Beaumont then? I don't think so, no. Yeah, Gooch was in bits and my legs were just in all sorts of pains. Dan, you mentioned Mark Beaumont there. Is Mark Beaumont the third person to be inducted to the Running With It Wall of Fame? No, not not actually. I So for this week, for the, the Running With It Hall of Fame, I've gone for Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill. Now, Ooh. of course, you all know her as the excellent sports person that she is. Uh, and she was the, obviously the face of the London 2012 Olympics, really. She really was the poster girl of that. But the reason that I've gone for her in the Hall of Fame is because she speaks a lot about uh, exercise and running for mental health. Uh, and to quote her, she says, I found this really great for me mentally. I just feel like everything leaves my mind. All the things that I, ha- I have to do or haven't done, all the things that I'm worrying about or stressing about, they kind of empty. And that really is a quote that resonates with me and it's a lot of the reasons why I sort of gel with sports so well. Dame Jessica Anders here. We're very pleased to have her as the third person in our Running With It Hall of Fame. We talked in a previous episode about goals and I know I've had in my own life where I've set a goal to achieve and then have tried two, three, four times to achieve that goal and it still hasn't quite worked out for me. You know, I've got close, but I'm not really getting there. So after, you know, I can appreciate that after the first time of failing, that's a real kind of motivated to get back out there and do it but how do you think people could deal with maybe successive not successively not quite achieving what they want to is that the same process as an individual failure and kind of rationalizing that and taking a step back from it if you have repeated times where you haven't done quite as well as you wanted to well i think the the key sort of heart of the message has to be the same you know using using any sort of failure to achieve a goal as as motivation has to stay the same but i think with your goal setting going forward perhaps it's better to uh, break it up into sort of smaller mini goals that you can you can tick off so to say yeah what do you think about that yeah i think definitely probably that's something that we haven't talked about yet to do with feelings of failure is also being realistic you know, often yeah. we feel a sense of failure, which can be really strong, but actually objectively, maybe we were too ambitious, which I know is yeah. a perhaps slightly risk averse or slightly I did. bleak thing of me to say. But I, I think that's an important thing, too, is being true with actually what is manageable and reasonable. Also, to know that failure is part of the process. I mean, that sounds like a, a little bit of a cliche, but I think for all of us who's ever learned anything, it's you know that there are going to be some times where you don't succeed in the way you might have intended to or wanted to and whether that you get that understanding from speaking to somebody or whether that's something that you know before you start in in inside yourself you know that you know Mm. having that understanding that actually if you fail it's okay is is an important thing too I'm sure we've all had that scenario where we still done pretty well, but maybe not yeah. quite as well as we wanted or as we anticipated. So the steps you've outlined so far, Dan, is number one, accepting it 
and number yeah. two is being logical and rational. How would you, in that scenario of being close but yeah. no cigar, so to speak, how would you be logical and rational about that? Okay, so well, I've, I've, on my notes here, just very briefly, what I've got written down is step three: rational evaluation. So once you once your sort of emotions have passed and you've established that arguably there was sort of some mistake that you made on your part i think the key thing to determine is what what could you have done differently could you have prepared for it better yeah what what could you have done differently to be better prepared for when you turn up on race day or or whatever day you have to have removed yourself you have to be over it by the time you get to step three to be able to see you have to be far enough removed from it you mean that you can kind of look at yeah, it through so- clear lenses Exactly. Yeah, I think in order to to be honest with yourself, you really have to be over the fact that you've hate to use the word, but failed. So I'm sure for lots of things, there are plenty of identifiable reasons why somebody might not have run or swum or whatever as quickly as they were aiming to. But do not think with that there's a danger of misinterpretation as well. You know, so if I think about my own life and aiming to run a certain distance in a certain time. And yes. two, two days previously, you and I had sat down and had a beer together. And then two days later, I misattribute my 30 seconds shy time to you and I having a beer. And so next time you invite me, I don't. I do, you know, do you think there's a risk of people doing that? Yeah, I see where you're going with this. And yes, I suppose there is a risk with that. And I think, well, I think that's partly why I said you have to be over it. So that you need to be thinking and being really honest with yourself when it comes to this. That's part of it. But I think, I think another sort of useful uh, tip that you could do is is speak to other people about it. And that might, in a sporting context, that might be a coach, uh, you know, a close colleague, your family. Yeah. So somebody who can give you an honest opinion and also a, an objective opinion. I suppose yeah. is, is one way of helping deal with the failure, and that sort of and it leads nicely on to to my next sort of point that I've got down here. Use your mistake as motivation, and that is similar, I think, to when someone says you can't do something or says that you're bad at something. That has a sort of unique way of sort of spurring us on to to try even harder to to be good at something. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So using your your failures, your mistakes as motivation to do better next time is is what you, and that's that's the key part of learning from your, your mistakes. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and I think everybody listening to this would agree with that too. That often the times that we maybe don't do quite as well as we wanted to are the times that are often then most motivating to go out and and push on. And I don't know if I don't know if it would be learning from mistakes because i think a lot of the times that we're talking about actually there is no real identifiable mistake just for whatever reason maybe it didn't go our way that day sure. but yeah but then you're right channeling that and using that as motivation and as a reason to get you back out there rather than put you off and be a reason not to And that was the episode about failures and setbacks. Dan and I talked a lot about how we would approach failure and Dan gave us a few 
tips and tricks that he has employed in the past. If you do have any thoughts on dealing with feelings of failure or similarly negative feelings regarding sports or other aspects of life, we would love to hear from you. This has been the Running With It podcast. Tune in next time for another episode.